1: Pittsburgh Steeler fans this is Brian Anthony Davis this is the curtain call no I am not Jeffrey Benedict I have way too much hair for that and I got a haircut yesterday but Jeffrey is on assignment vacation or wherever he is we wish him well and he will be back next week and if you are missing Jeffrey go ahead and back and check out from the cutting room floor yesterday a great show on behind the still curtain radio but with me as always, if this was, if I was indeed Jeffrey Benedict, it would be Shannon White. Shannon, what's going on?
2: Well, I'm excited about the show. Excited to have Coach on tonight, and uh, I miss GB. He's my buddy, but I hope he's having a good vacation. Yeah, you know, you're used to working with me. That's why I said <laughs> with me as always, because I'm... <laughs> monday nights it's
1: with me as always if this was friday afternoon at noon with me as always is the coach kt smith and kt is our guest tonight what
0: is up kevin thatcher Ah, doing well glad to be with you guys glad to to get a chance to talk to shannon shannon and i haven't had a chance to talk much so Mm -hmm. this will be a lot of fun you know it's funny kevin i never get to see you face to face no that's
1: true so i mean (laughs)
2: <laughs> We're always, we always do our shows on audio.
0: Yeah, I know. So, uh, and I'm up here in my son's cave on the third floor of our of our house uh, <laughs> because my daughter's making a racket downstairs. So, this is a this is a whole new environment, new experience for me. It, it looks absolutely awesome.
1: So, gentlemen, you know, if you listen to Jeff Hartman's "Let's Ride" this morning, he said usually no news is good news in June. Because usually if something happens in June, it's it's not great. But pretty good news for the Pittsburgh Steelers. When they addressed an issue that everybody has been worried about, even before Stefan Tewitt went down, was that defensive line. And they brought in defensive tackle Larry Ogunjobi. So, Kevin, you have been a proponent of bringing in Larry O for some time now. And I remember... The two of us talking about it on our show. So tell me what Larry O brings to the Steelers.
0: Right. I was really happy when I saw that they had signed him. You and I, you're right, talked a couple of weeks back about that. Uh, I think, honestly, of the guys on the free agent market, I mean, if they were looking to replace Stefan Toit with somebody with Stefan Toett like abilities, then. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi is the guy. He's he's younger than just about all the available free agents, uh, but it, but specifically his skill set, uh, his ability to to move, uh, slant, penetrate, disrupt, create chaos at the line of scrimmage because he's a, a 310 pound guy, but a heck of an athlete at that size is all very exciting. And when you watch some of the film uh, of him, you see him do things that remind you of Tua. I'm not going to say he's to it. He's not. He's not a player on that level. Uh, but he's comparable in terms of what he does. So you can see why the Steelers liked him and the natural fit he's going to be in this defense.
2: Yeah, I was wondering, you know, with Tyson Alulu getting up here and age a little long in the tooth uh, at 35 years old this year, doesn't Larry o have a little bit of capabilities where he can swing? If, if, let's say that a Lulu, you know, he could take snaps at the end and and have, uh, you know, Larry O there in the middle. And do you see him having that kind of versatility where he can play both for the Steelers? Oh, absolutely. He's really versatile. He's, a, he's going to be probably best
0: when he's playing like a three-tech uh, off the shoulder of the guard. I mean, that's really where he does a lot of his best work. Uh, but he can, he can bump out and be the five when the Steelers are in their base 3-4 if they need him to line up outside on the tackle. But like you were just alluding to, he can really go down on the nose and create some havoc. Uh, he's a, he's a, a great guy pushing the pocket in the pass rush, and that's something that's really exciting because exciting. if you get a guy on the interior who can, who can push the center back into the quarterback's lap, that doesn't give that quarterback the ability to step up, which means – now you know he's he's a he's a target for T.J. Watt coming off the edge. Usually that that ability to step up inside uh, lets the offensive tackle just run the edge rusher up the field and and away from the quarterback. But if that pocket's getting pushed into his lap and he can't do that, he's just uh, he's just there for the edge rushers, and that's just exciting. Uh, the other thing, man, that I really like about him is like he he was used really uh, as a as a, a stunt guy in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm where they would take him and line him up on, let's say, the inside shoulder of the guard, and then they'd bring him all the way across the, court, uh, the center's face into the opposite gap, which would force a double team. So if, you're, if he's drawing double teams, then you're singling up yeah. on Cam Hayward or some of those other guys, man. So honestly, if I'm one of the stars on the Steelers' defensive front, if I'm like Cam Hayward or T.J. Watt, I'm thrilled by this because he's going to free those guys up to do some things uh, on their own.
1: So, Kevin, let me ask you this. Health is a big concern. And there is a reason that Larry O is available to any football team. The Jets took a look at him in June. And we've got to be aware of those players in June. And that's something we're going to talk about a little bit more. But how healthy do you feel that Larry Ogunjobi is compared to back in March when he did not pass a physical with the Chicago bears? And that was a mammoth contract. He was about to get with the windy city team.
0: Yeah. 40 million over three years. You know, I I know it's not getting that Pittsburgh, man. It's a one-year deal. And I don't know. Have you guys seen terms yet? Have they announced terms?
2: No, there's nothing
0: official. Okay. So so you're right. He lost out on a lot of money. That'll make him a hungry dog. You know, you, you, you really like that. Um, the other thing, uh, you know, is he took that physical in Chicago in March. He, he injured the foot in January. So he really was less than three months out from the injury. Um, I can understand why maybe he wouldn't pass. I mean, foot injuries aren't necessarily, I, oftentimes it depends on the nature of the injury and who specifically has suffered it. He's a 310-pound guy. That's a lot of weight to bear. Uh, the recovery time is going to probably be a little bit longer for, uh, for that particular injury because of his size. When the Steelers got a chance to look at him in June, now, now he's three more months into the rehab. So you'd have to think that they felt pretty confident about where he was in his recovery for them uh, to sign him. So I feel bad that, you know, the guy lost out on a lot of money, but at the same time, that's the Steelers gain. And hopefully they get a player who's now uh, going to compete for another big contract.
1: Absolutely. And the Steelers have always done a very good job of doing due diligence before bringing anybody in. But my question, do you think Chicago helped pave the way for Pittsburgh and scared off other teams? And that's the reason that he was available this late? Or do you think it was just time needs to pass before somebody calls up his agent?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. It's hard to know. I I can't believe he's still on the market to be honest with you. So teams must have still had some concerns. Uh, and, and maybe you're right. Maybe Chicago did scare teams away because to, uh, to in essence, nullify that deal, uh, is a, that's a big deal. That shows that, obviously, they had major concerns. Um, I I feel, though, that he he's not going to be a guy that's going to need to pay, play like 70 80% of the snaps. It's going to be a manageable workload for him. He's going to probably... He's gonna probably take some of Chris Wormley's reps in the base three four. He's gonna he's gonna rotate in with alo Aloy like Shannon suggested uh, at the one tech. They might use him in some pass rush situations in their sub packages. But I can't imagine that he's gonna get more than somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 percent of the snaps. And I think probably the Steelers felt like uh, coming back from that injury. That's a magical number. If you were saying to me, hey, they're gonna use this guy on the nose. And on 75% of the plays, I'd have real major concerns about that. Something will hold up, but that's not going to be the case.
2: Yeah, I can imagine or envision Hayward, uh, Lulu, and even Loudermilk starting the game and then having a, a, you know, giving them guys some rest and smelling Hayward because he played way too many snaps last year and bringing in, say, Adams and Wormley and, um, Obi-Jobi or Obi-Jobi. <laughs> I'll say it right eventually, but uh, that that's only going to make them all, keep them fresh and make them more productive. Um, so I don't think that Lario has to be a starter. Uh, I think he, he would be very effective coming in because him and Adams both are quick twitch athletes are really good at penetration and would be effective pass rushers. How do you feel about that? Uh,
0: for a while there uh everybody everybody talked for a while about how the steelers were thin up front but now mm-hmm. it kind of seems like a position uh where they have a lot of depth they're going to have seven guys in the rotation who are going to be uh yeah <laughs> to use like a, a term that i'm more familiar with varsity football players you know they're going to be guys that have uh either starting experience or have have played a significant amount of football uh I guess is really the truth because you have the rookie DeMarvin uh, Leal in that mix, but they're going to be able to mix and match. They're, they've got different types of players. Louder Milk, you just brought up. He's a really good example. He showed last year that he could be a real good run defender. So maybe they pair him with some guys that can get after the passer a little bit more. Uh, Adams is a quick Twitch player, right? Maybe he uh, works with, uh, with Milk and alo in some, in some uh, scenarios whereby he can be the penetrator. So they're going to be able to mix and match, and uh, when when I think about you know the impact that Brian Flores is, is going to have on this defense, I always come back to you know what what's he what's he like to do? He likes to move guys, create confusion in blocking schemes by the offense, and free up other defenders. And so now the Steelers have seven guys that they can plug in on that defensive line, uh, all who have different strengths, but all who can probably play Flores's style, and uh, and you know. They can be like chemists in the lab, man, just kind of getting to work mixing and matching and and, and drawing up uh, who they want to free to the football.
1: Kevin, last night on the Scobro show, the title was, was the Pittsburgh Steelers defense now fixed? And so for you, where does your confidence lie in the Steelers now on defense? Like, give me a number before this signing, before you even had any wind that Larry Ogan Joby was visiting Pittsburgh and where's your confidence in that defense now does this
0: completely change things i don't i don't think it completely changes things but it certainly makes us feel a lot better about uh the run defense for for one because i had i had serious concerns about Alawala is he going to hold up 35 years old coming back off an injury and if he goes down the steelers up you know prior to yesterday didn't have another natural one tech to, to play in his spot. And, uh, we, you know, we saw them struggle with that last year and they still hadn't really filled that role. Once, you know, we, we found out too, it wasn't coming back. And so it makes me feel a lot better, um, that they now have that guy. He's, he's not, he's not, uh, Oka-Jobi's not a, a pure one tech, but he can play that role and he can do it well. Um, and then, you know, all the other things that we've said, make you feel better. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, hundred percent sure about the defense yet because I got questions about the, the inside backers. And I mean, I, I, guess, I guess the way my mind works when I think about football, I always start kind of with, with the linebackers to me, they're the most, the most uh, important players. And, you know, I'm just nervous about where Devin Bush is going to be. I'm nervous because miles miles Jack's had some injury history. So I'm still got some concerns there. I feel a whole lot better, you know, if they, maybe if they were a little bit stronger there, but, but I do think that they've done a tremendous amount of job to strengthen this defense uh, in this offseason.
2: Yeah, I don't know if you've been following any of my offseason articles, but I've talked a lot about value and, and that the Steelers, I feel, are kind of in the middle of a rebuild. And even though they'll never acknowledge or use that word, I said last week if the Steelers, well, a couple weeks ago when Tua announced his retirement, if the Steelers stuck with status quo, with what they had, that to me that signaled that, yeah, we're going to kind of accept a rebuilding year. We're going to see what we have in these young guys like louder and Liao. And, um, but by going out and signing, uh, Ogajobi, to me, that's saying we're really wanting to compete. We plan to compete for this division because there's no way you could go into a season with miles, Jackson, Devin Bush as your inside linebackers, in my opinion, without shoring up that defensive line. Uh, I feel a little bit better about it now with Buddy Johnson and hopefully Mark Robinson will surprise us and give them some quality depth uh, at inside linebacker. But do you think that that signals that they're taking this more serious and they're not willing to accept that rebuild? Absolutely. I, I don't think that's Mike Tomlin.
0: I don't think he does that. Uh I think uh, I think that that they would have probably you can't you can't experiment on your defensive line when you've got two linebackers who need help in front of them and that's Miles Jack and Devin Bush. I mean neither one of those guys uh, is a Vince Williams type linebacker. They're they, they're athletes who rely on their their quickness and their ability to get to the ball. And so if you put a bunch of guys who are also sort of quick penetrators up front. Uh, in, you know, in front of them, then that's a bad, that's a bad mix. You know, you got to have guys that can kind of hold their mud anchor in uh, set the line of scrimmage and, and Oka that kind of guy. Alaw is that guy. We know Cam Hayward can be that guy. Um, so they've got some dudes up front now that can really anchor in and let those linebackers run to the football. And um, that's that makes me feel a whole lot better because we don't know what we have in, in Leal. You know, he, they, mm-hmm. they said he's gained weight and he's up up over 300 pounds now. And that's awesome. And he's a great athlete who can really do a lot of exciting things. But we don't know if he can take a double team at the NFL level or we don't know how he's going to hold up when a 340 pound offense is down blocking on him. You know, so we I didn't want to see the Steelers go into some sort of experimental mode with a let's find out <laughs> on the fly what we've got up front. And they haven't. And, and, and like, you're, you're right, Shannon, that that signals that they're not accepting the rebuild.
1: So we've mentioned the other players that are kind of getting not pushed to the side, but they're going to lose some time based on this. One player is going to lose his job because of this. And other players are going to actually thrive because of the addition of Larry Ogunjobi. So this is a three-tiered question. Who gets pushed aside? Who loses their job? And who thrives because of this signing?
0: Yeah, I mean I I mean I, I think it wormley gets pushed aside a little bit. I definitely think that, that uh if it as of Monday in the base three-four, if, if the Steelers were, were starting the season tomorrow, Wormley would have been one of those three guys with with Nalo Allo, and I don't think he's gonna be that guy now. Um I think, uh, I think Henry Mondew is going to lose his job. You know, I think that I think the Steelers are going to carry seven D-linemen, and I think they know who those seven are going to be, which isn't to say there won't be a, a really good camp battle over it, uh, but I'm pretty sure that those seven are going to be, you know, Wormley are going to be uh, Alo-Alo and Hayward and uh Ogiljobi, and then you're going to see the young guys, Leal and Loudermilk, and then you're going to see um, uh, Chris Wormley, and who's my, who am I missing? I'm missing one guy, aren't I? Uh, Adams. Yeah, Adams, thank you, thank you. Adams, the Davis seven. brothers, Mondo. Yeah. Yep, there's your seven. So the Davis brothers and Archie Bong and Mondo and those guys. I mean, they're all guys that the Steelers played uh, last year or over the last two years on the D line, and and uh, they're going to lose their jobs. Who's going to benefit? I really think you know T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward are going to benefit. Like I said before, I think that what art uh, that that what Okujobi does allows for the Steelers. To free the other guys up, they're going to be able to use him as a to stem slant, switch, draw double teams, pull uh, offensive guards over to have to help on him because of the way he can move, and that's going to let Cam Hayward go one on one. And then we talked about you know how he can push the pocket and how that helps T.J. Watt. So I think those guys will be better for his presence.
2: i would thought that when I seen Le'ao play in college and then seen him. At, at the rookie camp, you know, he looks really thin. You know, I thought Wormley looked super thin uh, last year uh, for a stiller defensive end. You know, he didn't look like he was near 300. Um, and Liao doesn't either. Now, I haven't seen him since they said he's gained weight. But I was thinking, you know, if they pick up a veteran defensive lineman, a run stopper, a proving guy, then I thought they could easily swing him out and let him play a little edge. Because, you know, they don't have a lot of depth there. And that would be a way to keep, you know, he can actually have some versatility there playing both ways. And they can actually keep a guy there and keep one fewer inside linebacker. Because I think they kept, I can't remember, six last year. And, you know, some you know a guy like Splain and, and Gilbert and Allen, you know, I thought they one of them guys might be the guy to get buffed off. Um, because... Especially with them picking up Miles Jacks, do you think Leal has any potential that he could play a little on the edge? I thought he might coming
0: out of the draft. He was two hundred eighty-three pounds, mm-hmm. and and I thought maybe they they they'd make him a big Lamar Woodley and stand him up mm-hmm. a little. bit. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't seem like that's the direction they went in though, because when mm-hmm. you read it now, they say he's <laughs> like almost three hundred five or something like that. So mm-hmm. that'd be a big stand-up edge, three hundred five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. <laughs>
1: Well, there are so many possibilities, and I know I'm excited about this. But I uh, set you up with a question earlier, and you talked about Hayward and Watt. But man, I'm thinking right now, if I'm Alex Highsmith, this probably opens the door pretty well for success for me because you know he did well in limited time with stuff on to it, and we've stuff on to it hasn't been an around around in. Almost 25, 26 games. So, could could we really see a renaissance for a guy like Highsmith? Because somebody is eating up that uh, those offensive tackles a little bit more in
0: the form of Larry O. You're going to see a lot of one on ones, and you can only double so many guys. And so, if uh, if a, a you know being used as a move guy to you know, mess with the blocking schemes, and teams want to double on Hayward. Teams want to keep a backer tight end in to chip on Watt. Heisman's throwing one on ones, and and really that's that's where guys like that are going to make their mark in the league. Can you beat those offensive tackles in one on one situations? Um, so it, so yeah, you're right. He's kind of had it teed up for him right now, and we'll see if you know we'll see what he does with it.
2: You almost think he has to get double digit sacks. I mean, he's, you know, he got six last year and he missed two or three at least where, you know, he just got there a half second after water. I know Wormley took a couple away from him. Uh, So I think that the reason the Steelers went after Flores is because Keith Butler retired. I believe that not only did that free up a a position, a need, but they need somebody who can design is. Uh, you know, ex- accomplished at designing pass rush schemes, and we know Flores is, and and also very good with linebackers. So I'm thinking that you're going to see the Steelers have been kind of predictable in their pass rush at times. They they haven't done a lot of stunning last year, uh, like a lot of teams did. You know, they they a lot of times they just sit there four guys, and and were successful because Watts unstoppable, and Hayward, you know, just dominates. But I think that they could see some the first time they had some real creativity this year, uh, and seeing some uh, blitzes and that we have and coverages behind it that we haven't seen before. Um, it, how hard do you think that's going to be for these guys to pick up? You know, just in this offseason.
0: I don't think it's it's that hard to be quite honest with you.
2: He runs a lot of stuff. What
0: Flores is great at doing is uh, giving. Offense is a confusing pre-snap look, mm-hmm. but then running like base stunts out of it. So, so the stunts themselves, in terms of where the guys are going, is not that elaborate. What what is is the is the pre-snap look, um, and so you know you it's it's a it's a, it's kind of like the reverse of what
1: offense uh,
0: with formations. You know you you can you can throw. All these elaborate formations, shifts, and motions at a team. But when the ball's snap, you're probably running inside zone. You know, you're probably running mm-hmm. a core play. And I think, you know, when I look at Flores, I see some pretty core stunts, like a gap exchange stunt where the tackle's going down into the B gap and the backer's looping over top of him and taking the C gap. They'll run that. But they'll do it with, like, eight guys walked right up to the line of scrimmage uh, and the offense having to sort of guess, like, well, who's coming and who's bailing? And you know the ball gets snapped, and you know here here four guys rush, and three guys bail into into different coverages, et cetera. Um, and it's it's very intricate looking, but but the result where everybody ends up is not much different than a, a, something that they would normally do. So I think I think really what the Steelers have to be able to do is simply understand the concept, the big picture concept. And from everything I've read, Flores is a really good teacher. Uh, I, I read, I uh, I can't remember which which Steeler player said it, but he said having Flores out there is like having a cheat code because he's so good at explaining things and he, and he explains things in a way that makes you like really understand them uh, in a different light. And having a teacher like that is so valuable to players and, and it raises their confidence level so much. And when you're a confident football player, you're a fast football player. One thing we say all the time is like, a slow mind equals slow feet. When you're thinking and you're not sure of what you do, you don't play as fast because your brain's muddled and, and, and your feet aren't moving. Uh, but when you're confident and you know what you're doing, you play fast. And mm-hmm. it sounds like Flores is a really good teacher, and that should translate to a faster defense.
1: Let me ask you this. The Cincinnati Bengals got seven sacks out of this guy and did very well stopping the run last year. When he went out in the first playoff game, against the Raiders they've they really suffered at that point so my question to you on this this is one of my Brian Anthony Davis unanswerable questions but do you think that the Bengals may have won that Super Bowl if they had that extra guy on defense
0: that is a that is a hard one right uh (laughs) I do
1: that to you all the time I know that.
0: I know I know um I gotta think back you know um I don't know. I mean, when I think about that Super Bowl, I think about Matthew Stafford's no look pass on the, on the winning drive uh, that that he made. But but I but and I did a film breakdown of that because I I did it as like one of the one of the five greatest throws in Super Bowl history. But the thing that stands out for me about that pass that Stafford made was how comfortable he was in the pocket. You know how much time he had to sit back there and and look at what the defense and what was going on there. Uh, and he stepped up into a really comfortable pocket. Uh, so maybe, maybe with Okunjobi out there, that pocket isn't as comfortable. I mean, it, he's a guy again, like we've said before, who, who does a great job of pushing the offensive lineman into the quarterback's lap. And if Matthew Stafford doesn't have as much time to process what's going on, maybe he can't make some of those throws. So I'm going to hedge by, by saying, I don't know the answer to that question, but it certainly makes sense in that he could have made Stafford's life a little more difficult.
2: We've, talked about, you know, the pre-snap, you know, the Flores will show, like I said, everybody up, eight guys near the line of scrimmage, and then drop back right before the snap. Teams were doing that to Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers' young line, offensive line last year, all the time, and they struggled mightily trying to figure out what was going on. Blown assignments, and so we we can see how effective that can be. My concern is we got a new secondary pretty much in that Wallace is going to take over for Hayden, who was kind of the glue guy. He was, you know, the, the, the instructor, the coach of the, in the secondary. And then you have Witherspoon being his first full-time starter for the Steelers. And we're going to have Kazee, you know, who's going to be playing some deep safety, which he's great at, but the, my concern is the communication. Well, those guys, because it, you could, you know, if, if the coverage, if they blow a coverage, you know, it can be an easy six. Uh, do you mm-hmm. think that they're going to have any issues trying to, well, you, like you said, as long as they understand the fundamental, uh, the the plan of each play, you know, but I, I do you think they can be any growing pains there with Hayden no longer around? There can, but you know what? They just, paid
0: Mika Fitzpatrick a whole lot of money to make sure that stuff doesn't happen. <laughs> that's
2: true. You know, that's, com-
0: that's, that's, that co- that comes with that contract. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to, you're going to make that money. Then you need to make sure that, that, that all the communication is straight because that's Mika's job. Now he's going to be mm-hmm. the guy at safety to get all the coverages organized. So I'm going to bet that he figures it out because there's a, there's an awful lot of cash on the table for him.
2: And he does have experience with Flory. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for good or for bad, you know? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah I actually don't think that's a problem. I no, I think I that either. was c- kind of overblown a little bit. You know, Kevin, let me ask you this. If we go ahead and power rank the Steelers position by position, and let's just go five through one, where are you going to put the defensive line? Are they going to make the top five again?
0: We we in the offense? Yes. Uh, where are they going to – where are they going to um... – yeah, they're gonna make the top five for sure. I I don't I can't I can't think off the top of my head of four position groups where the Steelers are stronger. Uh, they're certainly not stronger at inside backer or outside backer. They don't have the depth. You know they've got they got two superstar. Well, they got the superstar edge rusher in, in Watt, a good one, in Highsmith. And then we don't know what they have behind them. The, the inside linebackers are thin. The corners are thin. You and I talked last week. We think the safeties are one of their clearly one of their strongest position groups. You flip it over. Obviously, the offensive line uh, has has serious question marks. The wide receiver core could be pretty good. They're they're a top five group. Uh, the the tight end room is pretty good. That could that's a top five group. Najee Harris makes the running back room a top five group. And they're probably not there at quarterback yet. So you yeah, know, yeah, absolutely, the defensive line is in that in that top five in terms of the position groups.
2: What do you think, Shannon? Yeah, I agree. Um you know, as far as proven depth and, and, you know, with a lot of them young guys, you know, like Loudermill getting experience last year. Yeah. I think that they would definitely have to be top five. Um, you know, the wide receivers could be special. You know, if, if everybody plays the potential and, and they actually start utilizing the middle of the field and, and attacking vertically this year, um, you know, a lot of that's going to depend on the offensive line. As you said, um, I'm pretty happy with their guards at the moment. I think that the Daniels was a was a great pickup. And I think this whole thing about you know uh Green competing with Dodson for the left guard spot, I think it's just smoke and mirrors, but it's definitely gonna light a fire under Dodson. And, and he's he's a lot better player when he's mean and mad. And I think he definitely will be. So um, you know, like you said, it's a lot of it's just gonna depend on uh the what kind of play they get out of that line and out of the quarterback position. But who do you think, you know, this is the, I haven't got to talk to you about this. Who do you think uh, is the favorite or you believe will be starting quarterback this year?
0: I think Trubisky will start because
2: uh, I think for Kenny Pickett to start,
0: he's got to blow him away. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if he's that guy right now. I think that, you know, he's a, he's an older quarterback with, for a rookie with a lot of college experience. So his learning curve may be uh, uh, less than a guy like Malik Willis, who who has to really acclimate to the pro game. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they made Trubisky the starter going right, right into their mini camp. Uh, and the fact that Trubisky has already really taken a lead, uh, a role as a leader, getting guys down to his house. Uh, you know, he's, he's working out. He, he's been working out with guys since mini camp ended and, um, He seems like he's embraced that role. And I think the Steelers are – I don't think the Steelers want to throw Pickett into a situation unless they're 100% convinced that he's the guy. Especially they they open the season on the road in Cincinnati. Then they they go to New England and play – then they play the Patriots – and Belichick's got a career record of something like 26 and four against rookie quarterbacks, something like that. Mm-hmm. He'll find a way to make Pickett's life miserable. And I don't know if, the, do, do you want to set, uh, do you want to set Kenny Pickett up with two really, really tough games out of the gate to start his NFL career? I don't know. So I think Trubisky the favorite. And I think the Steelers would prefer him to win that job.
1: So let me ask you this. Uh, once again, the title of the show was the crapshoot that is bringing in players in the month of June or after June 1st. We saw it last year where everybody was excited when the Steelers brought in Melvin Ingram 3. Now, we know how that worked out. They ended up getting another sixth round draft pick out of it. And I believe that's Connor Hayward is now Melvin Ingram the 3rd. I believe that's the pick that the Steelers got from that because they lost their original six-round pick for Schobert. So the question I'm asking you right now, Kevin, is this. Should we curb our enthusiasm? Because, you know, guys on the shelf for a reason, and we know what happened. But if you go to a car lot and you see a used car in April and you come back in August and it's still there, buyer beware. Should we think about that here?
0: A, a little bit. You probably have to have to temper your enthusiasm a little bit, for sure, because for all the reasons you just stated. But again, uh, they're not going. They're not asking Okanjobi to be to solve all their problems. They're asking him to play a role, and and I think that they feel confident enough that he that he's healthy enough to do that. Again, what do they want him to do? They want him to spell aloe aloe at the one tech if need be. They want him to play in some packages. They might want him to be a 3-4 end uh, at times, maybe play 30 to 40% of the snaps, and when he's in there, be a disruptor. And I think he can do all those things. And I think it gives them the depth that they were lacking, the veteran presence that they were lacking, the ability to not have to rush guys like milk or Leal into the lineup in situations they're not yet totally prepared for. And uh, so for all those reasons, I think – he's he's can be a really valuable addition it's it all it all really just depends on what what do we expect out of him do we expect him to be uh, a star lineman well he's not going to be that Uh, but can he be a difference maker uh, in the roles that they give him absolutely
2: another thing i i have a i feel strongly that they had a real serious conversation with him before signing him, and like you know we're you know making their once clear because we know Ingram he thought he was going to get to compete with Highsmith for a starting spot he wanted to start he you know he he envisioned himself as a starter well that could be a problem when you're coming in and taking trying to replace a guy like Alex Highsmith who' showed a lot of promises Ricky I think that they probably made it much more clear to Larry O what they expect and the fact that he was still available, at this point in the season, was more had more to do with that injury and the the amount of time it took to recover from that injury, rather than it did demands. You know, as far as salary demands. Um, but again, we don't know because we haven't heard you know, any of the official numbers yet. So that's I'm really interested to hear what he signed for, because as you said, I think it was three years, forty million or something. And we know it's nothing, you know, along those lines. But uh, he also went into New York uh, a few weeks ago and, and came out. He didn't sign with the Jets either. So I'm, I'm anxious to, to see the numbers. But um, do you see a scenario where louder uh, Loudermill can be the starter? And and like I said earlier, and then use these other guys, uh, you know, as a situational pass rush and smell the starters? So Lauper
0: Milk uh, is a guy that I was really wrong about. Because I, when, when he Yeah, you know, I mean, and I think we, we had a little conversation about that, you know, in the comments about some articles, just about we just – he just looked at times like a real project. And yet the role the Steelers got him into and, and the coaching. I mean, the coaching mm-hmm. he got in Pittsburgh. And I don't think we can ever discount when we're talking about any of these players how much the coaching matters. Brian and I are going to talk about that on our show later. I think uh, when you look at, at uh, Larry O, why, why did he why did he decide to bypass the Jets and come to the Steelers? It would not shock me at all, and I, we may never find out the answer to this, but it wouldn't shock me at all if he took less money or maybe maybe comparable money to come to Pittsburgh because we had an opportunity to sit down and talk to Mike Tomlin and realize what the what the this organization's about and and the, this coaching room's about, uh, that, that he decided this is the best place for me. But to answer your question about louder milk, I don't know if he can be a full time starter. I guess it depends what he what what when you say starter, what are we really talking about? Are we talking about playing the base three four? Yeah, I think he can play in the
2: base Yeah, base that's four. what I'm kind of like they've used the Lou in the past, you know, to whereas he he you know, he starts. He's considered a starter, but you know he'll play a snap or two. Get him, you know, they come off the field in a passing situation. And Loudermilk is such a good run defender. If he's going to get substantial play time, I figure it would be early on the early downs, and then you know maybe come off the field for uh, the situational pass rush situations.
0: Yeah, that's a good role for him, and and uh, hopefully as he as he grows. He'll, he'll offer a little bit more as a uh-huh. pass rusher. Uh-huh. Winning first down is going to be huge for the Steelers, absolutely yes. huge, uh, because they don't want to be in a situation where teams can feel comfortable running the football. If the Steelers are in a lot of, uh, of, of second down and fours on defense and, and offenses now have the whole playbook available to them, that's, that's a bad thing for the Steelers, especially in the run game, because now you're really relying on Bush and Miles Jack to play a bigger role Uh, and so if they can, if they can be a good first down run defense, Mm -hmm. get opponents into second and eight, uh, let TJ Watt and, and Highsmith, you know, kind of get after the quarterback, let Flores do some of the things that he does, then the defense could be a lot better. So, so if Loudon milk's a guy that helps him win first down, you get him on the field. Mm.
1: My final question about bringing in Larry Ogunjobi is this. We've had a lot of jokes at the beginning of the show of, hey, what's Mason think about this? And of course, on November 14th, 2019, <laughs> the Miles Garrett incident, Larry Ogunjobi was suspended a game as well. I I don't really think that this has anything to do with anything. I don't think that this is a message to Mason Rudolph, like somebody somebody mentioned in the live chat at the beginning. And I think this was a situation where a guy is sticking up for the color of the uniform, just like the uh, Steelers were doing the same thing. Um, what are your thoughts on that, uh, or is this completely blown out of proportion? Because I kind of think it is.
0: Uh, well, everything I've read about Larry O is that he's a great teammate, and that the and that the guys in the locker room love him. Uh, one of the reasons that you know players in Cleveland were were mad when 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 he left was because they, they did value him so much as a teammate. And what I, what I saw him do in that infamous uh, night in Cleveland with Mason Rudolph was <laughs> stick up for his teammates in a way that, like, you know, you, you, would, you would like to think that the Steelers would have stuck up for, for Mason Rudolph. I'm not saying they didn't, but I, I was a little surprised, given, like, the violence of, of Miles Garrett's act, that the Steelers on the field didn't just absolutely lose it. I was a little su- surprised that the restraint that they showed and I'm not saying I'm disappointed in it that they didn't, you know, that they didn't, I don't know, start a brawl or something like that. <laughs> but but it feel it felt like it warranted, you know, a just uh I we're not gonna allow anybody to do that and there's gonna be serious consequences. And and Larry O was a guy who was sticking up for his
2: teammate. So I think the Steelers can respect that. I don't know if
0: Mason Rudolph is cool with it, but I think the Steelers can
2: respect it. You know, the everybody knows they brought him in to push Mason Rudolph. <laughs> to be all that he can be
1: <laughs> is that the rhetoric you're going with shannon <laughs> I absolutely love it well gentlemen this was a good show i thank you both for allowing me to sit in this chair kevin thanks for joining us tonight shannon is always fantastic job you know you got to check out btsc for everything so this morning It was another episode of Let's Ride, which I alluded to earlier. Matty Peverell also had a show that came out at noon on the audio-only side. It was a very good episode of the Steelers' War Room. You need to check that out. Coming up tomorrow morning, the Stat Geek talking about the wide receiver totem pole. You don't want to miss that. Another episode of What Yin's Talking About is coming up on Thursday and tomorrow night. At this time, the preview, the Steelers' preview Brian Anthony Davis, joining the one and only Jeff Hartman and Dave Schofield. So we will be together again. Our show runs, KT, you and me, we're going to be running at noon on Friday, and we're going to be talking about Mike Tomlin's interview and the Mike Tomlin coaching philosophy. So absolutely love it. But when you're on the show, Kevin, it's always a clinic. We appreciate you being here. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys. Shannon, excellent to talk to you. Good to see you. It was, you awesome.
2: well. it was Happy. awesome. It was awesome. It was a privilege and I enjoyed it.
1: All right. I'm not going to steal any of GB's catchphrases. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and let Shannon take Tony's, both of Tony's catchphrases. And then I'm going to throw in Kevin and my catchphrase at the end. So for Shannon White and Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. And just when you think you've got all the answers, Shannon... We keep changing the questions. Give me something else, Shannon. Woo! All right, keep your feet on the ground, KT, and...
0: Keep reaching for the hypocycloids.
1: All right, I'm going to catchphrase that. We'll see you next week. GB, will be back. Time to stop and check them out. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need.